and welcome to the Net Zero Nation podcast, the official podcast of the Net Zero organization. I'm your host, Angela Betancourt. Net Zero is a nonprofit 501c3 organization dedicated to educating individuals about how they can reduce their own emissions. In this limited series podcast, join us for insightful interviews with environmental leaders to discuss the environment, sustainability, climate change, and your carbon footprint. Our first guest is the founder of Net Zero, Isaac Shapiro. Isaac was the founding director of the International Budget Partnership and a senior advisor to the Save DeFore Coalition. He was a senior fellow at the Center on Budget and Policy Priorities, researched the impact of environmental regulations on the economy at the Economy Policy Institute, and worked for Robert Reich when he was Secretary of Labor. Isaac, thank you so, so much for being the first guest on the Net Zero Nation podcast. This is so exciting, and I couldn't think of a better way to kick off on this limited series podcast for our listeners. So I'd like to just start right at the beginning and ask you, what was the defining moment that led you to create Net Zero? If there's any personal story or experience or any part of your very impressive background that helps create this moment. Please share that. Okay. Thanks, Angela. And, and hi, everyone. It's a, it's a delight to be speaking with you all today. It was a very personal experience that led to the creation of Net Zero. I was looking myself to kind of figure out how I could contribute in the battle against climate change. So I decided that I wanted to eliminate my carbon footprint somehow. And I took some steps such as change the type of car that we had. Um, we now have green energy in our house, but I wanted to fully eliminate my footprint because I thought that, well, I don't want to be contributing to climate change at all. So I looked around on the internet and at that time, there were a lot of organizations kind of focused on uh, how to help businesses eliminate their carbon footprint, but there weren't organizations really focused on how to help individuals fully eliminate their footprint. There were organizations focused on if you were traveling, you could offset part of your footprint connected to your traveling, but not the whole thing. And I wanted to eliminate it entirely. So I thought that it made sense uh, since I was looking in that this direction and I was thinking about other people I know who are concerned about climate change. I thought that they too might come to the realization that they want to eliminate their footprint altogether and that there should be uh, an easy way for them to figure out how to do that and what it would mean. So that led me to start an own organization, my this organization Net Zero, so I, I could eliminate my own footprint and uh, to help others who, who might be thinking along the same lines. Thank you for sharing that personal journey that led to the launch of Net Zero. How would you describe the core mission of Net Zero to someone who doesn't know about the concept of carbon neutrality? I think carbon neutrality is a bit of a technical definition. So you're right, it doesn't necessarily resonate. But what it really means is that my activities, my daily activities are not producing greenhouse gas emissions that will make climate change worse. So getting to carbon neutrality means, A, you can eliminate, you can change your behavior to reduce the emissions that you produce uh, to begin with. Or B, and or B, you can uh, purchase or support 
carbon offsets that eliminate the rest of your footprint. For, for example, one that uh, comes most readily to most people's minds is if you bought, if you contributed to planting a tree, the tree would absorb a certain amount of carbon dioxide from the air. And if you contributed to planting enough trees, it would reduce the amount of carbon emissions in the air to the same degree that you were still producing such emissions. So the, the overall goal is to eliminate one's contribution to climate change, because there's a lot, obviously, that needs to be done uh, to, to get us on a better path with respect to greenhouse gas emissions and, and what they're doing to our planet. But just as a starting point, it, it seemed to me that you don't want to be adding to the problem. So by going carbon neutral, then at minimum, through your own activities, you are not making the problem worse. That's a good segue into the next question around people that say, well, governments and corporations are out there really contributing to to this problem. Why is it crucial for individuals to strive for net zero? So I, I, when I think about this, I, I really don't think as net zero as a substitute for business and government for business and government action. I, I see that as a complementary to business and government action. Climate change is occurring at such a pace and is already with us and to an astounding and damaging degree that we really can't leave any stone unturned when it comes to reducing emissions. So I do think that business and governments uh, need to act. But I also think that as an individual, you, you also bear responsibility. And I was bearing responsibility through my own actions for making the problem worse. So there's no way that I just as a, you know, separate from how much of an impact it can have, just from a moral perspective, if I'm really concerned about climate change, which I am and which I know the listeners to this podcast are, then yes. I don't want to have a carbon footprint. So I need to eliminate it in the first order. But the, the, so the two kind of fit together. But the, the second thing that the second big point I would make, and this is how we envision uh, net zero developing over time, is that if you have a large number of people who've committed and become carbon neutral in their, their own lives, then that, that group of individuals really has the credibility and has extra credibility at pushing for those changes into business practices, into government policies that are needed. So I really see net zero as sort of adding to the, the credible advocacy base for a greater uh, government and, 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 and business reforms. Because certainly, you know, individuals acting on their own aren't going to solve this problem. Businesses and governments acting on their own are going to solve some of this problem, but not all of it. Individuals have a role to, to, to play as well, uh, both uh, in reducing their own footprint and in, and in encouraging businesses as governments to, to reform and they can do that more credibly, as I've said, if they're carbon neutral themselves. I'm glad you mentioned that because I was actually just going to to comment a similar something similar in that it really is with the climate crisis, all hands on deck. So individuals have, you know, need to contribute as well as governments and corporations. And I, I agree with you. I believe I truly believe that individuals that are taking these steps that are actively saying, you know, I, I want to reduce my carbon footprint. That is when you have enough people doing that, it is 
bit of a, of a movement that, that I think speaks to corporations and lets them know, hey, we're serious about change. We're serious about being, you know, reducing our carbon footprint and being net zero. And I think, so I want to kind of use this as, as jumping into the next, next question around the misconceptions. I think there's some misconceptions out there about carbon offsets and carbon neutrality. Maybe it's misconceptions and also just misinformation. People are not aware or there's not enough resources or information around or the information that's around is not, you know, it's not positive and it doesn't really give someone an opportunity to to learn a little bit more about this. So what are your thoughts on misconceptions around carbon offsets and neutrality? Well, the I think most of those misconceptions, to some degree, they they relate to a different set of offsetters than we're talking about here. They're really related to businesses uh, mm. that are engaged in greenwashing. And there are such businesses who hide might hide behind, well, we're offsetting our footprint, and they might do that with some uh, chicanery. And then they're, they're really using it as, as, as an excuse to behave as usual. So it's really mm-hmm. kind of hiding the ball. So that's kind of one concern, which really doesn't apply to individuals because individuals here, it, we're we're trying we aren't trying to fake anybody out here, <laughs> uh, right? We're just right. Trying, we're, we're we're just trying to do the right thing. Now there there's also some criticisms of certain offsets, and mm-hmm. some of those I think are merited in, but some of the the even the criticisms I think are partly outdated. Uh, when carbon offsets first were established, you know, 10, 15 years ago when they were f- first sort of growing in a serious fashion. It was a bit of a, an unre- a completely unregulated or partially at least unregulated approach where there was no real uh, tracking of the offsets or assessing of the offsets. So it would be easy. It was much easier for businesses to choose an offset and say that they were offsetting when in fact they weren't, they where they could hide the ball because there was no one really sort of assessing the offsets that that were were being used. But that's changed over the years. I mean, people have yes. under, grown to understand that. Oh, you know, you still need to be careful. You need, still need to make sure that when you say that you're um, some type of action is going to result in in carbon and carbon offsets that it really happens. So you, you've you had a growth in various organizations whose specialty is assessing the offsets to make sure that they're credible. And I should say, so I would say as a whole, I think offsets have improved uh, over the years and will continue to improve as people look at all the angles and, and make sure that uh, we fully understand those. And we obviously support that. Um, the other thing that I would say with net zero is with our individual offsets, we spend, we, we do not just sort of go to willy nilly sort of say, oh, this offset sounds good. We'll just go ahead and, you know, we'll, we'll right. work through that, work through that. Net zero, uh, we ourselves will spend a lot of time to make sure that the offsets that we're using really accomplish what we want. And I think any organization or effort that you support it's imperative that whoever's going the offset route, that they make sure that uh, they do their own diligence or or that the organization uh, that they're supporting does their due diligence. And that's another way to make sure 
that some of these problems that cropped up in the past, especially with related to some nefarious business practices, mm-hmm. uh, don't occur here. So I think you can do offsets in a, in a responsible manner that makes sure that it happens. And I should say, you know, going back to my own interest in offsetting my footprint, if I'm going to support offsets myself and fund them myself, which I've done, I obviously don't want to do that if they aren't accomplishing what they say they're going to do. Uh, right. So that's right. that's why for myself, I took, you know, the selection of offsets uh, so seriously and why as an organization that zero takes us so seriously to accomplish our mission. We realize it's only accomplished if we choose credible offsets that really do what they say they're going to do. So I, I think we've done a good job of, of, of doing that. How do you see the movement towards carbon neutrality evolving in the next few years. Do you think, um, and I know part of our work at Net Zero is to really help drive this into the mainstream and create bigger awareness, but how do you see the this movement moving or evolving in the next few years? Well, I would say at the individual level, there is a movement, but it's really sort of a small one and it, it's really just gaining ground. But I think it is a movement that will grow rapidly over over incoming years. And the, and the reason why is I do think that uh, both generally when it comes to thinking about change in society, uh, there's been a growth in, in recent years. A lot of it's been through political activity, but that people want to be part of the change. That they that they want to see in the world, and that people are sort of saying, "Oh, it's not just up to government to take care of this problem, or maybe government's not going to do a good job of taking care of this problem. I need to engage myself." So I think there's an overarching movement towards more individual action in this country. So I think that's one reason that'll grow. But I, I think the main reason that it will grow and really blossom is uh, particularly among young people. And when I, you know, talk to my son and and daughter who uh, see what climate change is going to do to their own world, and they just don't under they they kind of don't get it. They kind of don't get well. How could you know my parents <laughs> act in a way that makes my so future uh, so much more fraught? And, right. Mm-hmm. And they also think for themselves, it's just well, do I really want to have a carbon footprint? And I think so many young people out there. Uh, if they, you know, will come to the realization that I should not have a carbon footprint at all, and that will become really part of their lifestyle, just like many, you know, millions of people have decided uh, they want to become vegetarians because they uh, don't want to, you know, they feel it's better for the environment. Some of them do it for moral grounds as well. I personally am not a vegetarian. Of my my Neither daughter, am I. And, yeah. <laughs> and, and, and I admire for that, but. What the way it's analogous is that it's it's kind of become for some people uh, to lead a moral and full life. I should I shouldn't have a carbon footprint, or I shouldn't you know for a vegetarian I shouldn't eat meat. And I think it will be a growing realization among people that if I want to re- lead a moral life, I don't want to have a carbon footprint. So I really think it'll become sort of a a way of living uh, over time. The other reason why I think the trend will continue is unfortunately the the most obvious and scary one. I mean, climate change is this year has been so awful already and and showing the effects of the change in our climate and it's just going to get worse. (laughs) It's going to get worse. So as it gets worse, people are going to 
you know, think harder about what what their responses should be. Yes, we, we've seen, you know, all of these extreme weather events and other types of things happen around the world because of, of climate change. And it is very scary. And I but it's sad to think that we have to continue to see these events occur for us to really start to understand and, and, and get it right. But I think that we are moving in that direction. I do think that people are becoming more in tune with what with what's happening. It's, it's getting much harder to deny this every single day. And I think that education and um, creating awareness around these topics is extremely important. And that's one of the things that net zero does. And so I just wanted to kind of get your thoughts on the importance of education and creating awareness in spreading the net zero mission. I do think it's all of the piece. In part of the the net zero ex- experience, in you know, I know we've emphasized the this. Well, uh, how do you get to carbon neutrality? And we've emphasized the offsets part, and not the changes in behavior. Well, we do see those as fitting together. We we think you know the right approach is that someone should think, okay, what changes can I make in my own life directly that can reduce my footprint directly as much as possible? But then all of us are still going to have a footprint that remains. Not all of us can afford to buy, you know, a new electric vehicle, for instance. So they're still going to be driving a car that, uh, you know, has a gas engine, at least for a while. So what what else can they do? So we focused on, well, then you, you can get offsets. But we actually encourage people to use our carbon calculator. Yes, was I was just really going to bring good. that up. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> and and the reason it's important, not only in sort of it comes up with a number and sort of says, you know, in a very rough sense, the, this is how much in carbon emissions you're, you, you are producing through your behavior each year. But it really helps you identify, well, how much of that is through eating? Uh, How much of that is through driving? How much of that is through flying? You actually, in a, you know, hopefully a user-friendly way, you take a few minutes, you fill out the calculator, and you can really sort of understand which aspects of your behavior are creating the, the most emissions. And that helps you figure out, okay, well, I just noticed, you know, a third of my emissions are because of, you know, my air air travel. Well, maybe I need to take the train more or maybe I need to travel a little bit less or what, whatever the options might be to reduce your uh, emissions directly. But when you people kind of have a, a, a general understanding but they're, 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 of what, you know, aspects of life lead to emissions, but you, you can actually learn a lot. And I know I learned a lot when I filled out the calculator in terms of uh, what what my pattern is and what parts of my behavior I, I should think about changing. Yes. And and I was going to mention uh, on the calculator is we have, there's two options or, uh, for the calculator. So you can go onto the website and pull up the average, which is a US-based average, or you can go through the more extensive process of putting in more of specific details, and then you can get your own personalized number of, of carbon footprint. So that's a really powerful tool that I think is a great first step for people on their, on their carbon neutrality journey, on their carbon footprint reduction journey, to go to the website right on our homepage and, and use the calculator there. As the founder, how do you stay motivated and inspired in the face of, of everything that's going on with climate change? On the, on the positive side, 
I, I see a growing awareness and a commitment by many aspects of society, uh, particularly among young people, about you know taking this uh, problem seriously. Uh, mm -hmm. There's been tremendous advancements in technology and renewable energy that are going to lead to substantial reductions in uh, carbon emissions on an annual basis over time. And 20 years ago, if you had sort of said, well, you can, maybe we'll go the solar energy route. Uh, people said, well, you know, it's not, ever, it's never going to be cost efficient. It's going to be really problematic. How are you going to build a new grid? All that. Well, you know, a lot of those problems have been solved in solar energy and wind energy are now more uh, cost efficient than using coal energy, for instance. So, uh, and it continues to improve with every year in terms of efficiency. So we've learned a lot about the, the, the response and what works. And we've there's certain things, including carbon capture, uh, which is just directly taking, you know, carbon uh, out of the air. Mm -hmm. uh, we're, making, we're making progress there. I think 20 years from now, I'm not sure when, uh, that technology is going to be really impressive. So I think we have lots of ideas and understanding about how to respond to climate change that, that we didn't have 20 years ago. So that 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 is positive. And I know you want to start on a, not a positive note, but you know the, the reality is also, as we know, that unfortunately, climate change itself is an unfolding uh, along almost like a, the worst case scenario in terms of what the expectations were and the ripple effects of growing emissions were going to be. So yes. um, the, the problem which might have been more hypothetical 20 years ago is really reality now. So to that degree, the, we can't be fully optimistic because we got a real problem here and it's getting worse. But I do think we can be feel optimistic because I, I think the political will for responding to this problem is, is growing. And I feel that the avenues for responding to this problem have, have de developed more quickly and more powerfully than expected as well. You know, you and I and uh, have talked in various ways about how if you build a community of individuals who have become carbon neutral and who then as a community are, are going to, you know, encourage more reforms over time and are going to push businesses and in government policies to to change more rapidly. I'm optimistic about that as well. I do feel, you know, I think you may have coined this, you know, that we can develop kind of a net zero nation, you know, not just our organization alone. But uh, when you think about all the people who in all the different organizations that have sprung up and that are trying to respond to, to climate change, uh, that as, as a whole, I think it's a, a collective group of individuals, uh, a nation can help change the nation in that regard. We're all about community. I, I love I love working towards building a community um, at Net Zero because, you know, to your point, it's it really speaks to the collective power of the individuals who are committed to this process. And it, it will inspire others to to want to take action as well. And so community is is very important. And and so, Isaac, any any final thoughts before we wrap up? No, but as usual, it's uh delightful to discuss these issues with you, Angela. And uh, 
We look forward to any dialogue with any listeners and to respond to their questions and to get their input about how we can collectively play a, play a constructive role in the response to climate change. So we look, we look forward to your interest, participation, questions, and suggestions. Thank you. Thank you all so much for, for tuning in. We would love, love, love to hear from you. So please do reach out to us um, on our social media handles at Net Zero Pledge. We're at, on Facebook, on Instagram, and also on TikTok. Um, but of course, you can always come to the website, netzeropledge.org, where you can learn so much more about who we are, what we do. Um, you can find out what your carbon footprint is, use the calculators. Um, I'd like to thank Isaac so much for being the first guest on the show. I can't wait to put out the other episodes with all of our other incredible guests. um, And we hope to hear from you. Thank you all so much. Bye-bye.